Well, hello. Welcome back to episode number two. In the last episode, we covered Daniel 11, verse 1 to 6. Now, today, in this, in this episode, we'll try to shoot for verse 7 to 30, if we can. Um, we will see what happens when it comes to timing. But you will see from 7 to 30, we'll be looking at the kingdom of Greece, and then we will look at the introduction of the kingdom of Rome. Now let's continue with the other verses or left of the verses between 7 and 13. And let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 I quote, But from a branch of her roots one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army enter the fortress of the king of the north and deal with them and prevail, unquote. Now, in the last episode, we looked at Bernice, who was murdered. All her, all her um, attendants on court were murdered. Her friends were all murdered because Bernice's father, who obviously was the influential king, died. Uh, father being from the south. And, and this king was replaced by none other than Bernice's brother, who was called Ptolemy III. Of course, Bernice's brother uh, succeeded his father, and he ruled Egypt between 246 BC and 222 BC. Now, after forming a large uh, army, he invaded Syria, the north, to avenge his sister's death. And what happened? Of course, the target was the wife, Laodice, who killed or who plotted to kill his sister. Now look look at the verse. It says, but from a branch of her roots, her roots being uh, Bernice's roots, shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north. So the south is going to the north and deal with them and prevail. They win. So history supports this. History saying that Ptolemy III, the succeeder of the king of the south, avenged his sister and invaded the north, invaded Syria, and killed the person responsible for killing his sister, Bernice. But you see, the king of the south, Ptolemy III, who was the brother of Bernice, is now the, succeeded the king, he became the king of the south, succeeded in his campaign against the kingdom of Seleucus, which is the king of the north, and this is where Laodice, that woman, was killed, and succeeded in against this northern kingdom. He plundered Syria, and then he continued. He made his way to Babylon, where he found and returned the Egyptian gods of silver and gold that Cambyses had taken from Egypt. So essentially, this time now, Ptolemy III, the king of the south, has gone up to the north uh, with a huge and successful army and brought back to them all the things that were captured by the north uh, from the south, and he brought back to Egypt. In recognition, the Egyptian people gave uh, this king, Ptolemy III, the name Eugatis. What it meant was the benefactor. You can see all this, you can see all this prophesied in verse 8, and I quote, verse 8 says, and he, 
shall also carry the goods captive to Egypt. He being the king of the south now, Ptolemy III, with all their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold, and he shall continue, he being Ptolemy III, the king of the south now, he shall continue more years than the king of the north, unquote. Now, more years being what? This Bible uh, has prophesied that, and in history, it's proven that the prophecy stated that he being the king Ptolemy III, the king of the south, outlived the king of the north, which is now Seleucus, Callinicus, the king of the north, by four years. Isn't the Bible wonderful? The Bible has stated and the Bible has come true. History has proven it. King Ptolemy III of the south outlived the north. King Seleucus, Callinicus of the north, by four years. Isn't this wonderful to know that God has spelled and talked about the future way before the future happened. Now, in our previous episode, we looked at Daniel 11, verse 3 to 8. Now, let's continue and look at verse 9 to 13 now. Verse 9, I quote, Also the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. This is Daniel 11.9, unquote. But you see, what's happened in Daniel 8, we talked about the south attacking the north and successfully brought back some of the sacred idols that they've been taken away and it brought back to Egypt, bringing back the silver and the gold. And then um, that sort of peace, if you like, lasted for quite a while. After some years of peace, and the king of the north starts to think, oh, I, I, I need to do something about that. And he decided then he will attack the king of the south to retrieve some of the richness that was taken away by the south. But as the Bible says, as the verse says, but the king of the north will not defeat the king of the south. In fact, the king of the north will be forced to return his, to his own land. And, and notice those words that the kingdom of the south, but shall the kingdom of the north shall come to the kingdom of the south, but shall return to his own land, return unsuccessful. You can see here, uh, taking a step aside, after the four kingdoms left by Alexander the Great, the four generals, they fought amongst each other, and in the end, two out of the four was left. And now these two are bickering, the north and the south are bickering against each other, trying to be greater than each other. Was, what does that remind you of? It reminds you of the greed and the pride and egocentricness of human nature. Enough is not enough. This is the result of sin. The result of sin creating such greed in human beings. This is played out in kingdom terms in Daniel 11. Then in verse 10, it talks about an infighting amongst the generals up in the king of the north or the northern kingdom. You see, in Daniel 10, or verse 10, it predicted a family feud going on. Well, let's look at what history has to say. Seleucus, Callinicus, uh, the king of the north, had two sons who set out to regain the territory that had been taken by the king of the south, um, Ptolemy III, 
of Ugetis. Now, if you remember at this time, the south was strong and it's taken a lot of riches and territory from the north. And this king of the north and his sons were not very happy. And the older son of Seleucus Callinicus then succeeded his father. But his oldest son uh, was a weak and inefficient leader and he was later poisoned by his two generals. Can you see the family feud going on, the political feud going on amongst human beings? Then his brother, this older son's brother, uh, Antichus Magnus, then became king. Then if you look at the verse, it says he would, and I quote the verse, he would assemble a multitude of great forces. This is in Daniel 11.10. And recover Seleucia and Syria, recover some of the territories that was lost to the king of the south within their area. More infighting. Well, it hasn't finished here. More fighting to come. Verse 11 talks about ensuing battle between the north and the south. And history has supported this. This is around the 222 BC to 205 BC. What's happened then? The king of Egypt, the king of the south, um, which now was Ptolemy IV, the son of Ptolemy III, Eugetes. Uh, so his son IV met the king of the north, Antichus III, which is the king of Syria, in a fierce battle at Raphia. And this was in 217 BC. Why would this be battle? Well, simply because the king of the north has taken some of the territories that were originally taken by the south, that was originally owned by the north, and we have this conflict that goes on and on and on. Does it sound familiar to you in almost like in today's warfare? The real reason for war has gone. It's gone. What is taken over is his pride, status, and all those greediness that a human, sinful human being displays. In this battle of Raphia in 217, and you look at the verse, it says in verse 11, it says, And the king of the south shall be moved with rage. The king of south was angry because the north had taken some of the territories. And go out and fight with him, the king of the north. So you have the south going against the north. Who shall, this is the south, who shall muster a great multitude? And uh, the north, I meant, would muster a great multitude. History suggests Antichus, who was the north, whose force was numbered 70,000 infantry and 5,000 cavalry. Now that is a huge, huge army that the north has amassed, as was written in the Bible. And continue to look at the verse, but the multitude shall be given, I quote, but the multitude shall be given into the hand of his enemy, unquote. The enemy being Ptolemy, the king of the south. What's happened in this battle? Despite this huge army that the north has amassed, after a fierce struggle, Antichus, the king of the north, lost 10,000 infantry, 300 cavalry, and 4,000 of his soldiers were captive. Defeated, he returned home. Defeated by the king of the south. All this was written in Daniel chapter 11, verse 11. Now, the rest of the two chapters, 12 and 13, suggest this. Elated by his victory, this is the south king of the south, Ptolemy IV, and full of self-esteem, he decided 
to offer a sacrifice, but was stopped by the priest. Now, can you imagine a great king who's won battles and fully egocentric king who's won and he wanted to um, offer a sacrifice and obviously a paganistic sacrifice and the Jewish priest stopped him. How do you think the king would react? Obviously, incensed, he was angry. He made war on the Jews. The history of Eusebius recorded that this is Eusebius. The historians record that Ptolemy IV killed 60,000 Jews in Alexandria. Look at verse 12. When I quote, When he had taken away the multitude, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cast down tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. Unquote. Because... A look at verse 13, for the king, I quote, for the king of the north will return and muster a multitude greater than the former and shall certainly come to the end of some years with a great army and much equipment. This verse 13 set the scene for the next few verses, 14 to 29. And after about 14 years of peace between the north and the south, Egypt and Syria, Something happened. The North always remembered their history and they will master a great, great army and they will try and have another go at the South again. Can you imagine what's happening here? The North and the South came from, originally came from the leftover empire from Alexander the Great. Now they're still infighting amongst each other and the infighting continues. Now, in the next few episodes, we're going to be going forward and looking at Daniel 11, verse 14 to 29. This is the history of pagan Rome. Now, in the earlier chapters of Daniel, in chapters 2, chapter 7, and chapter 8, Daniel has presented four kingdoms, meaning Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And the angel Gabriel's literal account of these powers in those chapters and the description of the fourth kingdom begins now in verse 14. We pick our story up from verse 13 where the king of the south was Ptolemy IV. Um, now the king of the south, Ptolemy IV, died. And what happens then, the after the death of Ptolemy IV, the Ptolemaic dynasty was then handed down to his five-year-old son, obviously Ptolemy V. Now, Antiochus III, the great king of the north, who was surnamed Megas, saw this as a golden opportunity, you know, a young little kid on the throne, and anticipated an easy campaign. So what he did was he joined forces with Philip V of Macedonia and he expected to easily throw the child king and divide the, king, the, the country extending beyond the territories. You can see this in verse 14 and I quote, Now in those times many shall rise up against the king of the south. Also violent men of your people 
shall exalt themselves in fulfillment of the vision, but they shall fall. Unquote. Now that was Daniel eleven fourteen. See, Rome had been slowly going through the years, incorporating one city and then one city and another and a town and another. They're starting to expand at this point in time. Rome started to offer offer protection, but it came at a price, heavy taxation and a demand for men to fight in its wars. Wanting to flex a muscle, Rome told Antichus III, in this instance, the king of the north, to stay out of Egypt and leave the child alone. And what was the response from Antichus III? Well, ignored Rome. He, he, he ignored Rome's warning. And Antichus III turned his attention to the well-fortified city of Gaza, the last town southwest of Palestine towards Egypt. And Gaza held out against him for a while, but it finally succumbed to the Syrian army. Look at verse 15, and I quote, So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound and take a fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not withstand him. Even his choice troops shall have no strength to resist. Unquote. Clearly stated in verse 15. And uh, Antichus then obviously uh, was not very friendly and didn't listen to Rome. And what Rome did? Rome then declared war on Antichus III. And in 168 BC, at the Battle of Pitna, Greece's dominance ended and Rome became the king of the north. Rome at this time has, becoming, has become more and more powerful, and three men rose to the leadership of Rome and took over the reins of the government. The three men were Crassus, who controlled the treasury, Pompey, who led the army, and Caesar was the mastermind behind all this. The prowess of Rome's army was stated very clearly in verse 16, and I quote, But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will, and no one shall stand against him. This is Daniel 16. As the general of the Roman Empire, or Roman army, Pompey swept across Asia Minor and Syria as the eastern kingdom crumpled before him. Verse 16 says, He shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power. Unquote. What happened? In 63 BC, Pompey entered Palestine following a three-month campaign, and the city of Jerusalem fell to Rome, which would control the destiny of Judea for the next two centuries. Now, this paved the way for the growth of Rome as the fourth empire that was described in Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and Daniel 8. The next few episodes will expand on this. We will look at the expansion of pagan Rome, and then we'll follow with the change from pagan Rome to papal Rome. And then the story will continue in the next few episodes. Um, how Papal Rome was then cut short temporarily, and following that would be the final, final re-establishment of the Papal Rome, which brings us to today, 
we are at the stage of the re-established Papal Rome. So hang in there. We look forward to see you, seeing you again in the next episode. Bye.